when I first got saved as a 16-year-old, the only thing I knew was I, I just had this mistaken idea that God was only interested in my spiritual life. Now, that's important, but that's only one-third because we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a physical body. We're a tripart being, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that the very God of peace would sanctify you. I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are a three-part being. So, if God loves... I did a message years ago. God, does God love all of me? Spirit, soul, and body. The answer is yes, with capital letters. God is interested in your spirit. He's interested in your soul. He's interested in your physical body. But the only way that you can find that out is by getting into the Word of God, finding out what the Word of God says about you, and that has to do with our thinking. That has to do with our mind. Praise the Lord. In every crisis, Brother Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, in every crisis of life, we need to ask ourselves. Now, we don't have to wait for the crisis, but he said, in every crisis of life, he says, we need to ask ourselves, what does God's Word say about this situation? What does God's Word have to say? Not what Uncle Charlie says about it. Not what Aunt Sandy says about it. But what does God... Now, it's okay if Charlie and Sandy know the Word of God. That's fine. But if they don't know the Word of God, they can give you counsel that's ungodly counsel. And the Scripture talks about don't stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Amen. But we aren't, we're not to delight in the counsel of the ungodly because the counsel of the ungodly doesn't have God's wisdom attached to it. Okay? Now go over to Psalm chapter 14. I want to show you something right here. And we're talking today about the sure foundation of the Word of God in our lives. Now I know most of us in this room have been saved for quite some time. Right? You've known Jesus for a number of years. I don't think there's any bona fide baby Christians that are here that have just been born again. Right now there isn't. And so we have to revisit some things about what, what is our belief system? What do we really believe? Okay? And in Psalms 14 it says this in verse 1. It says, The fool hath said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done Abominable works. Snowman. <laughs> there is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand stand and seek God. Now notice the phrase in verse 1. It says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. There is no God. Amen. But you know what? You don't have to be an unbeliever to have that scripture functioning in your life. Amen? Because a lot of times, and I say all of us, we act, we're believers, we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord, but sometimes by the way that we act, we act as if God doesn't exist. How I many you know what I'm talking about? I've been there and done that. Sometimes our actions, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, we act as if God doesn't exist to help us in that current situation. But you know what? The more, the more conscientious we are of God, God conscious, the more He can help us. Now, 
If you go over to Proverbs real quick, I'm just laying a foundation here in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. Let's go over there to Proverbs chapter 3. And again, we're talking about the foundation of the Word of God in your particular life. When you build a house, let's just take this building for example. This, this beautiful hotel that we're in. It's beautiful. It's only been here a couple of years. But you know, before they put these walls up, before they put this roof up, before they laid the carpet, what did they do? They dug a hole and they built a foundation. Now you can't look down and see it. Now you can see the floor that the foundation is built upon, but you can't see the foundation. But the very first thing that they did is they came in here, dug a big hole, put piping in and so forth, and then they laid the foundation, and then they built upon that foundation. How many of you know the foundation is really important? And we appreciate the walls, the carpet, the lights, and all that kind of stuff, but it's built upon the foundation of this building right here. Now, the Word of God is and should be our foundation as far as our belief system, what we believe, how we think, how we act, how we conduct our, ourselves in life is through the Word of God. Now, we see here in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse, verse 5, very familiar scripture says, Trust in the Lord with half of thine heart. It says, all thine heart. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Now look what will happen. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. They say that a lot of disease and sickness start in the marrow of the bones. But he says right here that if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your heart. So I suppose it's possible that we could lead, you know, not trust in the Lord with all of our heart, but half of our heart, part of our heart, right? Are you with me? So we, we can trust in the Lord with half our heart, or we can trust Him with all of our hearts. And I encourage you, because the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You might think, well, I don't feel like I really trust God like I need to. Did you ever feel that way before? You want to, but you're like, I don't know if I really trust him like I need to. And, uh, but it says, trust in the Lord with all. Now, the way to begin to do that is begin to say that, to acknowledge that. To acknowledge that. And we'll say, you can personalize it, you can say it, say it like this. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I do not lean excuse me, to my own understanding. In all my ways I acknowledge Him and He shall direct my path. I will not be wise in my own eyes. I will fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to my navel and mar to, thy bo to my bones. Do you see how you can personalize that? Say, I trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. With, all with all of my heart. I don't lean to my own understanding. Now, right here, you can see the difference between the spirit and the soul. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. Now, that's your spirit. That's you. Don't lean to your what? And that's your soul. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your, that's where you make choices and make decisions, okay? Now, I'll say this. This is a profound statement. Now, I borrowed this from somebody. I don't know who it was, but they said this. The greatest need 
the greatest need for the world is Jesus. But the greatest need for the church is to have our minds renewed with the Word of God. I'll say that again. The greatest need for the world is Jesus. They need, the world needs Jesus. He's the only Savior. He's their only hope. There's not another God out there. He's the only God. So the world needs Jesus. Praise God. And the real Jesus happens to live on the inside of you. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again and washed in the blood of Jesus, Jesus Himself and the person of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. I mean, Jesus is in your hands. Jesus is in your head. You have the mind of Christ. He's all through you. Amen? Amen. But the greatest need for the church is to have their minds renewed with the Word of God. Now, why is that so important to have their minds renewed with the Word of God? Well, it's really important. For one thing, nobody is born again fully matured any more than when a baby comes in to this, you know, my nephew, they just had their, I don't know, fifth baby or fourth baby or something like that, you know. But no, no child is born, whether boy or girl, no child comes into this earth fully matured and fully grown. You know that, right? I mean, that's obvious. Everybody is born a baby. You know, you know a baby boy isn't born with a full beard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That'd be pretty creepy, amen? <laughs> Say, God, what is that? <laughs> and the baby doesn't come out saying, hey, how you doing? Tired of being in here. Glad I'm out of here now. You know, that baby doesn't even know how to talk yet. But it's a fully developed, it's, it's, a, it's a human being that needs to develop, right? Okay? Those tiny little hands and feet and everything will eventually be able to drive a car someday. You know what I mean? So nobody, nobody is born full grown. Now, 1 Peter 2, verse 2 says this. Peter said this. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Okay? Now, the Bible talks about that there's different, there's different, develop there's different stages of development. There's babyhood stage. There's childhood stage. And then there's adult stage. Nobody is born full-grown naturally any more than someone's born, uh, born again and full-grown spiritually. Now, to grow up physically, all you need to do is eat and just go about your business, right? And it's an automatic. Your body will grow. It will develop, okay? But the difference between physical growth and spiritual growth is that spiritual growth is not automatic. Spiritual growth is not automatic. And sometimes the people that really think they're mature in the Lord are just the opposite. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think all of us need to grow up in some ways. I mean, we all do, don't we? we? We sure do. Sometimes we're babies. Right? Isn't that true? But you know what? It's a good thing to be able to look to the Lord to help us to mature. Nobody is, is born, like I said, full grown naturally. Nobody's born full grown spiritually. Now, Peter says, he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So, the milk of the word is very important, isn't it? 
Now you can read about this. I'm not going to turn there because of time this morning, but over in Hebrews chapter 6, the, the Apostle Paul talks about the, leaving the milk of the Word and going to the meat of the Word. Okay? Now babies cannot, uh, they can't eat meat because they would choke on it. They can't. So they need milk to sustain them. But eventually, eventually the time will come when they'll develop themselves where they'll be able to eat solid food. Amen? And, uh, and so, so it is spiritually. It's very, very important that we understand the need to be able to develop spiritually. Praise God. Now again here, the Word of God, I wrote down here, the Word of God must dominate our thinking. Say the Word of God, Word of God. must dominate the way I think. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 12, this is a tremendous scripture here. Romans chapter 12. Let's pick up in verse one, okay. Are you ready? It says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren." Now, that tells us right away that he's not talking to unbelievers; he's talking to Christians, because you don't call sinners brethren, right? So, the epistles were lit, written to epistles are Paul's epistles that are written to the church. These are people that already made Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the word of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, this is, there's a lot in there. I'll tell you, there's just a lot there, but it's so awesome. Now, again, first and foremost, he's writing this book of Romans was written to non-believers, but to people that are born again, blood-washed, hallelujah, those that know Jesus Christ. That will be us, right? But he says right here that we're to do something with our bodies and we're to do something with our souls, our minds. He said we are to present our bodies to God. In other words, allow our bodies to be used as an instrument of God. But then he says, second of all, that uh, we not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the word transform is the word we get our word metamorphosis. Transformed. We understand from science class, we go back a few years and we think about something metamorphosis, like a caterpillar, right? That turns into a butterfly. Much more beautiful creature than a than a little worm crawling around, right? He says that we need to do something here. Paul says this, we need to do something. Present our bodies and we need to renew our minds with the Word of God so that we can prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Uh, let me read this out of the uh, message translation. You want to bring it up, Josh? I thought this was pretty uh, down to earth where we, where we live. And it says it right says it like this. He says, here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you, this best thing you can do for Him. Don't become well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Do you see that? Readily recognize that he, what he wants from you and quick to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always, I like this, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out up for you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's pretty good, isn't it? So we're not to be conformed to this world. So, now we're talking about the foundation of the Word of God. Life makes total sense when you understand what the Word of God has to say. See, the Bible even says, Peter says that grace and peace are multiplied to us. It's multiplied, not just added, but multiplied to us through the knowledge of the Word of God. Knowing some things. How many of you know knowledge can be dangerous to the devil? When you have the right knowledge and you understand certain things, you can be dangerous to the devil. And we should. Amen? Now, it's amazing sometimes how we, 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 I saw this the other day when I was praying about this. And you know over Mark chapter 4 how the Bible says that, that Jesus was referring, he's talking about the parable of the sower. Remember that? He was talking about how the kingdom of God operates and how the word is choked by Satan, by certain, you know, the, the cares of this world, the, the lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches, you know, persecution, affliction arise for the word's sake. And it's, it's designed by the devil to take the word out of our heart so that the word doesn't produce. And the Bible talks about those that are sown on thorny ground, such as hear the word, they hear the word, and the cares of this life entering in choke the word of God. How many of you know you don't have to plant uh, weeds? Did you ever notice that? <laughs> they just show up. I'm like, I didn't plant that, but somehow they show up. The weeds show up. And the Bible says those on thorny ground are such as hear the word, but then here's what happens. The cares of this life entering in choke the word of God, stop the word of God. Now, the good news is, is that if you understand how Satan operates, how his tactic, the things that he does, how he operates, then you can stop him when he does. And the Lord showed me something. He said, look, he said, if the, the cares of this life can enter in it and choke the word of God in your life, he says, do the opposite. Take, because sometimes we just focus on what the devil's doing. He said, turn it around. He says, too much word will choke the devil. <laughs> now, Jesus said it like this. He says, the prince of this world, that's the devil, cometh, but he finds nothing in me. Why? There's no opening there was no entryway. He said, the prince, the devil comes, but he finds nothing in me. Why? Jesus was full of the word of God and full of the spirit of God. You couldn't deceive him because he had word on the inside of him. I mean, by the time Jesus had his bar mitzvah, well, he was 12 years old, had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. Man, we struggle over a couple of verses. But talk about the first five books of the Old Testament. Memorized. 
You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. Whoa. But I'll tell you what. They had the Word of God on the inside of them. That's the only way that Jesus was even able to resist the devil in the wilderness is because there, He had some, it is written on the inside of them. The only way He could say it is written because He had already meditated on that. That's just the Old Testament. Now we've got the New Testament. How much more do we have? So I thought about it. I thought, you know, instead of focusing on the devil, the devil, the devil coming and choking the word, taking the word, you know, the devil's out there. He's ready to take you, you know. And, and, and you know, we major on the negative, talking about what the devil's doing. Let me tell you something. The devil was defeated at Calvary, completely defeated. He spoiled, Colossians 2.15, God says, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He wiped them out. Amen. You say, okay, Pastor Keith, I know that the Bible says that, but then why am I having so much trouble in my life? Here's why. We're not as rooted in the Word of God as we could or should, but we can become. We can become so rooted in the Word of God that when the enemy sticks his ugly head up, now listen, it's not wrong to have some type of a symptom in your life. Every godly person in this earth, I tell you right now, every godly man and woman in this earth and in this church has some type of symptoms. It could be physical, it could be mental, it could be financial, it could be different types of symptoms in your family, right? There's, they're just symptoms. That doesn't mean that you have it. I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. Brother Hagin used to say that, and I said, that's the same thing that happened to me. I've passed up some marvelous opportunities when symptoms came knocking on my door. I said, no, I'm redeemed. This doesn't belong to me. Now listen, if my mind was unrenewed in that area, then I would fall, I would succumb to it. I would fall in, I'd give in to the pressure. But when your mind is renewed with the Word of God, that means your spirit and your soul, they're in agreement with what the Word of God has to say. And the Bible says, surely oppression will make a wise man mad, angry, ticked off. So when oppression comes against the godly, and you know who you are in Christ Jesus, something on the inside of you just rises up and says, oh, no, you don't. And it's okay to get angry at the devil. Amen? Amen? Just pull out your pistol with the Word of God and you fire some scriptures at Him because let me tell you something, that's the only thing that will defeat Him. Some long machete is not going to cut the devil up. Some powerful natural gun, that's a natural weapon. You can't do, he'll just, it's a, he's a spiritual being so it takes spiritual weapons to defeat Him. And the weapons that we have are not natural. The Bible says they're mighty through God. That's the Word of God. The Word of God. So if the cares of this life can enter in, it doesn't have to, and choke the Word of God, if there's too much Word in us, the devil comes, he says, I can't go there. I heard a testimony one time about uh, actually a woman that was, uh, uh, she was heavily into witchcraft, and she got really involved in, in witchcraft before she knew Jesus. And I mean, she had some experiences in the, in the spiritual, in the supernatural realm that were demonic, of course. And she would, she would, her spirit would come out of her body and she would go and visit different people and put curses on them and stuff like this. And 
you know, that stuff's real, okay? They're looking for the reality they just haven't found. They're looking in the dark side instead of the light side, amen? Praise God. They're turning to the wicked witch of the north, okay? <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but... But she said that she tried to go, she, there's a house full of Christians. And I remember her, I think it was on Sid Roth. She had talked about this. She was giving testimony. She goes, I went over these certain people's houses. And she said, man, I couldn't do anything. She goes, they were because they had the blood of Jesus over their house. And they knew who they were in Christ Jesus. She said, I couldn't touch them. She said, I had no power. I had no power over them. The devil knows that. So he knows. When you know that you know, he knows too. That's why the seven sons of Sceva, you remember that story in the Bible? They had watched how the apostles had cast devils out of people. So obviously this must have been out in the open where the people could see things that, you know, significant things that were taking place. And they had the bright idea that they're going to try to do this too. So they found an old guy that was demon-possessed. I guess there was outward manifestations. And they went up to him, read about it in the book of Acts, and they said, we adjure you by whom Paul preaches to come out of him. Now, here's the problem. Someone that's not born again doesn't have dominion and authority over the devil. Now, the devil, the Bible says the devil jumped on all the seven sons of Sceva. One guy that was filled with the demons jumped on seven sons of Sceva and tore their clothes off and beat them up. <laughs> Someone say, Ouch. Now, the devil spoke up when they said, we adjure you. See, they didn't have a conviction. They didn't have a power. Copycats. There's a difference between being a copycat and an original. But when you know who you are in Christ and the dominion and authority that you have, you can exercise authority over the devil any day of the week, and he'll listen to you. But see, the devil spoke up on the inside of that guy and says, Paul, I know. Jesus I know, but who are you? And he goes, Rah! and he jumps on them and just tears them up. Man, they had a bad day. But here's what the devil said. Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who in the world are you? See, these seven sons of Sceva were just copycats. They weren't child, children of God. They didn't know their dominion. They didn't know they could have got born again. But they were just trying to copy Jesus and Paul and so forth. You know what I'm saying? And, but they really didn't have the foundation on the inside of them. So a person that doesn't know Christ, that's not saved, that's not born again, has no, no dominion over the powers of darkness until they get born again. And when you get born again and Jesus Christ comes into your life, you are a master over Satan and demonical forces. We, listen. We cannot hear enough about our dominion and our authority in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that? We, we can't hear enough about it. We've got to hear more and more and more about our power and authority and dominion. I encourage you, if you don't have already, get Kenneth Hagin's book called The Believer's Authority. Now, if you have... Uh, an electronic iPad or something like that, you know, or what's it called? Uh, huh? Whatever those, I can't Kindle. think. Kindle or anything like that. You can actually download the book for a couple of bucks. 
okay? Any device like that, I've got books on this thing right here, you know, several books that I've downloaded, you know. And I, I would encourage you to get that book and meditate, read that book, The Believer's Authority, what you have in Christ Jesus. Because once you find out who you are in Christ Jesus and what belongs to you and the authority that you have, the devil's not going to be able to run roughshod over you again. How many of you, we've got to get tired of the devil messing with us. We have to. Now, go to Isaiah real quick here. I've got to wrap this up here. In Isaiah chapter 26. So we have to have the foundation of the Word of God in our lives. Now again, in Romans it talks about we have to do something with our bodies and we have to do something with our thinking. With our, the way we think. Praise the Lord. Now the Bible has been given to us to unveil... We only know what God's will is by what the Word of God says. Like I said before, everything I know about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it didn't come through another person. It has to come through the Word of God. If without the Word of God, we're in the dark ages. We have no light. We don't even know why we exist. That's why people that believe in evolution and stuff think that we came from an amoeba. We came from a rock. They literally believe that we came from a rock. Think about that. It takes more faith to believe that than creation. You know? But if you go back to the book of Genesis and see how God created everything, it'll solve a lot of problems. That's why, for example, biblical archaeology, a man named Ron Wyatt, who discovered, if you look him up, he's the legit man he is, the discoveries that he made. He took all of his information before he found anything, before he found the real Noah's Ark, before he found the real Mount Sinai and the Red Sea crossing and Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what he did? He went to the Word of God. He used the Word of God as a map to guide him and to lead him to those places that he was actually looking for. And that's how he found them. Amen? So as we use the Word of God as our map, look at Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, the scripture says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. Now it's interesting because the word perfect and peace is the same Hebrew word. It's shalom. Perfect and peace comes from shalom, shalom. Double shalom. Thou will keep him in shalom, shalom. Notice this. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is your everlasting strength. God says, I will keep you in what? Perfect peace. That's as good as it gets right there, because it's God. God says, I will keep you in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Many years ago, I was thinking about this in the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's very active. He's not dormant. You know, got those 14-year locusts or whatever they're called. They go into the ground for 14 years. Is it 14 years or 17? How many years is it? It's a long time. Now, they go dormant, and then all of a sudden they pop out of the ground after, what, so many years, and you're like, oh, where'd this come from? Is this Egypt, plague? What's the deal with this? Remember that a couple years ago that happened? Man. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not dormant. 
He's always on the move. He's always talking. He's always conversing. And he wants to talk to us. And I had the Lord say this to me, and I needed it at the time that he said this to me. In fact, I need it every day because the revelation he gives me is good for every single day. Give me this day my daily bread. I need revelation every single day. And the Lord said, the way you, the way you currently feel right now, Keith, is a direct correlation to that which you are thinking upon. And I was thinking, I was thinking about the problems. I was thinking about some things, man, I was dealing with, you know, just like all of us, you know. And sometimes the devil likes to use the pile-up effect of like not just one thing, but then you got family issues, you got financial issues, you got marital issues, you got all kind of different stuff tries to pile up on you, right? Job issues, right? And uh, and so your your mind can get kind of like wavering back and forth. But here's what the Lord said. He said, the way you feel currently right now is a direct correlation to that which you are thinking and meditating upon. And he says, here's the good news. You can change how you think on purpose. Now it's going to take some work. It's going to take some diligence. It's going to take some effort. But that's what the word meditate means. Meditation did not come from the far east, from the gurus. Jesus, God the Father, invented meditation. He said, if we meditate upon the word of God, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Meditate means to think, to ponder. In other words, actively use your thinking. Okay? Nobody is ever depressed without entertaining certain thoughts. Do you know that? Nobody is ever depressed without entertaining certain Thoughts, And I've talked to a lot of people through the years, counseled a lot of people through the years. And when you get, try to get people to change their thinking, it's, it's not always easier. It's easier said than done. But it can be and it's possible to do that. We can, we can be diligent about it. Okay? To change the way we think. To change the thoughts that are going through our mind. Through our eye gate, through our ear gate. Correct? Now if we just... I'm not saying don't ever watch the news, but I'm saying, did you ever notice that most of the news channels, especially the local ones that are around here, and I, I did a survey one time, I listened to it, and I said, and I just took note of everything they mentioned. Even the weather was bad. <laughs> That's no unusual thing for over here, right? <laughs> but somebody was being robbed. Somebody was murdered, someone was raped, you know, and, and they're talking about all these different things. Some kid was in trouble in school, and there's all these lists of things, how that they just majored on the negative things that were going on in this city, when in fact, when in fact, there was a lot of other good stuff going on, but that doesn't sell. Because bad news sells, good news doesn't sell. But my point being this. How did we ever make it years ago without the news? Probably a lot better. Okay? Somehow we think, I know my dad, when he was on this earth, he's in heaven now with Jesus. Man, he had to have his morning newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, he had to have that paper. That was like his Bible. He had to have that Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Yeah. And his crossword puzzles. And then the obituary page. 
Guess who died? I don't want to hear about it right now. Amen? People meditate on the obituaries. You ought not, because you people see their name in there. They're not dead yet. They see their name in there. Let me tell you something. You've got to meditate on life. If someone dies, you'll find out about it. And hopefully they were saved. Amen? My point being is this. You can focus on anything you want to focus on. And I have to make a diligent effort. It's effort. It's work. But let me tell you something. It's worth it. Because he says, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon me. So sometimes in the middle of a situation, I'll say, my wife and I, we both will say, I make a choice to not think on that. I'm not going to, you know what's going on, but I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm not going to think upon that. I'm going to think upon the things that are pure and lovely. And in fact, we'll just close there. Go over to Philippians real quick here. Go to Philippians chapter 4. This will be our last scripture. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Let's take a praise break for a second here. Let's thank and praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise, Lord, in this place, in the name of Jesus. So the foundation, and wrapping this up this morning, the foundation must be the Word of God in our lives. We have to put preeminence, importance on what the Word of God has to say. Amen? When I was attacked in my body a few years ago with some very life-threatening two situations that happened to me, I tell you what, I had to, I had, it had to come down to this. What does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? Did I feel fear? Yeah, I felt fear coming against me. It came against my mind. But even in, in, in spite of that happening, in light of all that happening, yet I knew the Word of God. And so I had to make a conscientious choice to think, do I believe this? Do I believe what the Word of God says? Or do I believe that circumstance? Or do I believe the doctor's report? We're not against doctors, okay? Never. They're helping as many people as they possibly can. Okay? Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for what they're doing. But, you know, when it comes down to the, where the rubber meets the road, they shouldn't have final authority in our lives and give them the ability to prophesy over us. Someone says, well, you've got three months to live. You've got a month to live. You've got a year to live. Well, we shouldn't let someone determine our destiny, our destination by what they're saying. It's no lack. We respect what they say. We respect the knowledge that they have. But, but... We have a book that is the truth, the truth, the Word of God, that we have to get that Word of God rooted on the inside of us. Now, faith is of the heart. It's not of the head. It's of the heart. You don't have to ask yourself, do I have faith? When you really have faith. If you have to ask yourself, do I really have faith? You probably don't. It's more head knowledge than it is heart knowledge. But faith is of the heart. It's not of the head. It's of the spirit. We believe with our heart. We believe with our heart. 
And that's why we don't lean to our own understanding because our understanding can look, looks at all the natural stuff. You know what I mean? The understanding looks at what it can see, what it can feel, the five senses. But God says, trust in me, trust in my word with all of your heart. Okay. Now I had you turn over to two Philippians, didn't I? Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. And we'll conclude here today. We'll read down through verse 8. Philippians 4 verse 6. Be careful, Paul says, by the Spirit. Be, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth understanding, shall keep your hearts. Notice this. And minds. It will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Praise God. Paul says here, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Can I have an amen? amen. Now notice it says right here that starts out by saying that we're not to be careful for nothing. Now, the Amplified, I'll just mention it here. He says, don't fret or have anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. In other words, don't be a worry ward. Don't worry about it. He says, instead of worrying about it, pray about it. And if, we're, if I'm fretting about something, I'm worrying about something, then I'm, then I'm not praying about it. Okay? And that's all of us, isn't it? Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Then he goes on to talk about thinking on things that are pure and lovely and honest and good, you know. He said, we're to think on these things. Listen, I want to settle this right now. Everybody look up at me. Everybody's here? Everybody awake? Okay. You ultimately have total control over what you're going to think upon. Now that doesn't mean that bad thoughts don't come to you. They come to all of us. Negative thoughts can come to you about yourself, about other people. You name it. That doesn't mean it's your thought. Birds can fly over your head. You have no control over that. There goes Tweety right over your head right now. You have no control over that. However, if he tries to build a nest in your hair, then you've got a certain amount of control over that. Right? <laughs> you have control over that. So you might have a thought come to you, a negative thought come to you. That may, that's not your thought. But you can take, Jesus said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How shall we be clothed? You know that situation there in Matthew chapter 6. Now I wrote down here, this is from Casting Your Cares Upon the Lord by Kenneth E. Hagin. He said this, here's a quote. He says, when you walk by faith, when you do what the Bible says, you're at oddity with others. Even the church world, they think something is wrong with you because you don't worry. Amen. You see that? You're at oddity with others, a lot of people, because you don't worry. And so we can pass up some marvelous opportunities to worry and fret. But if we act, how would you act if you knew God was with you all the time? If you knew God was with you everywhere you go in life, if you knew that He was with you, 
How would that change the way we think? Wow. That's something to really meditate on, isn't it? That's something to really, I'm not alone. I am not my own. It's not just me up here walking around. God's with me. God's with me. God is in me. If God be for me, who can be against me? And so you start to think, and folks, the only thing that qualifies pure, lovely, good, and all that is the Word of God. See, there's a lot of things that are true, but they're not lovely. They're not pure. He said, whatever things are true and lovely and of good report, think on these things. You can determine. In just a minute here, we're going to have some fellowship, you know, afterwards. But, you know, you can ultimately determine everything, you're, how the conversation is going to go. I've, term, I've been in conversations with people, a group of people before, and I purposed, they didn't know I was doing it, to change the course of the conversation because it wasn't going in the right direction. There was some belly aching going on. There was some complaining going on. There was some gossip going on. Are you with me? And I thought, you know, I'm going to change this conversation right now. They don't know it, but I'm going to change it right now. And so the Lord will help me to weave into that conversation, and all of a sudden it's going in the right direction. And so you, you can throw water on that fire instead of gasoline. Just by what you're saying produces a different thought pattern, the way we think. The Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think, so you are. And so that's why it's so important to fill our hearts and our minds with the word of the living God. Amen. Father, we praise you today. We give you glory today. We give you praise today. Great praise, great glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for helping us in our thinking, causing us to come up higher in the way that we think, Father. And we'll walk in the peace, the great peace that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, you know, that's just so important, isn't it? Praise you, Lord Jesus.